This is the Cricket Sadist Hour. 60 minutes of pure, undiluted cricket. Give or take 30 or 40 minutes either way, and some impurities and dilutions. The Cricket Sadist Hour. That is the name of the show. I am Jared Kimber. With me is Andy Zoltzman, a man known for his conversions. He can convert townhouses into absolute dumps. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you, Jared. Yeah. Uh, Joe Happy. Root and the conversions is, yes. is, is the topic of this show. Yeah. I want to talk about Joe Root for a minute. Yeah. I, I remember that first thing. Was it Nagpur? Yes. That he played. And he was incredible. And I remember looking at him straight away and going, well, this is a 10-year player. And before that, I really only noticed him in the odd T20 game, so I hadn't seen much of him. He used to bowl the first over for Yorkshire as, as an Australia. And then seeing him in Nagpur, I was like, well, this is this is a legitimate talent. Which, to be fair, it's been a while since we've thought that of an English batsman coming through. Uh, yes, I guess, I guess so. And, that, and then it's good that that Nagpur test, which was the final test of the 2012-13 series, uh, in which England won two one was I'm glad that match had a redeeming feature because that's one of the worst cricket matches ever played. On the well, we're oh, historians. Wait, yeah. let just yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it was probably possibly the worst pitch in the history of cricket. They used they after that game ended um, in an absolute festival of tedium. And people talk about having home advantage for pitches, and the, I know th- there was not a worse pitch the Indian groundsman could have made for India to try and get an equalising victory in the series. They took that pitch, they dug it up, and they put it on a container, and they shipped it to Switzerland, and they now use it in a clinic in Switzerland to send people into the next life. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, but he did uh, he did look a good player. He, anyway, that's he, your point. That, I think that was my point. Yeah. Um, and obviously there was the big four, uh, you know, batsmen who came out at the same time, and they're all, I think they're all within about two, two and a half years um, of the same age. A.B. de Villiers was sort of umming and ahhing with international cricket. Hashi Anla was probably on a slight slide as well. So suddenly you had four incredible batsmen coming out at the same time. And for the longest time, I remember if 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 you wrote something on Crick Info where you said Steve Smith was the best batsman on earth or Virat Kohli was the best batsman on earth, England fans would go crazy. They would be saying, Joe Root, it's Joe Root, what are you talking about? And he's a phenomenal batsman. I I talked to an international batsman recently about one of the reasons that he's so good, and he said there's almost no way to keep him on strike. And he said if it, the normal ball just outside off stump, you know, in the channel, most batsmen are pl- leaving that or playing and missing at it, whereas Joe Root is hitting it just forward of point, just backward of point, or just the third man and taking a single almost every time. And and just, you know, he made a lot of runs. I think up until one point he was averaging about 55 in test cricket. But by far and away, one of the best players of his generation. Um, now people don't quite mention him as much. You know, Kane Williamson gets ignored rightfully, Andy, because he's New Zealander. <laughs> yeah. There's obviously a Some lot. Some rules will never change. <laughs> There's obviously a lot of talk about Virat Kohli, um, whose test record is still a bit patchy, but is phenomenal at the other formats of the game. And Steve Smith, I'm not sure what Steve Smith's doing at the moment. Actually, uh, I have to, I have to I'd have to check. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's painting. Painting. That makes sense. Um, so Joe Root really is the the only one who sort of slipped from 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 the Fab Four when it comes to just purely cricket, and it's almost entirely about the fact he cannot convert fifties into hundreds because he's still making a lot of runs. And 
a lot of 50s. So let's <laughs> throw some stats at the particular Could you? Uh, equation. So since um, uh, September 2016, um, so the start of England, basically before England went to India, uh, route 23 tests averaging 47, still tidy. Um, 42 innings, 21 scores of 50 or more. So exactly half of his innings in tests have been 50s. He's also basically getting 150 every two one-day innings over the same period. But only three centuries, three out of 21 converted into centuries. Virat Kohli, by contrast, 36 innings, 13 50s, so fails a lot more, but nine of those 50s he's turned into hundreds and several double hundreds as well and an average of 72. Steve Smith... Averaging 67, 36 innings, 15 scores of 50 or more. So, again, significantly below Root's 50 rate, but eight hundreds out of those 15. Ken Williamson averaging 47. So Failure. Uh, yeah, but same as Root, basically. Uh, eight scores of 50 or more in 21 innings, four of which he's turned into hundreds. So, uh, you compare that with the previous... Three and a bit years. I'm going back to the start of India series in South Africa when Kohli had a big series that slightly takes out Root's difficult ashes in 2013-14. But basically, the era in which those the the well, he was big, opening then anyway. Yeah, so I mean, he, Root became a major player for England the following summer. Yeah, he came back after being dropped for one match and did very well through the summer of 2014. So basically, from then, do you remember when England dropped Joe Root? <laughs> well, I think it probably did him good. Can you honest. remember when England yeah. dropped Joe Root? Um, Sorry, continue. Uh, I can remember. And it was entirely justified at the time. And that's what dropping players should be. I mean, people make far too much of dropping players. I mean, I maybe we do a different podcast on this. But, it, yeah, people, oh, he's dropped and he's finished or whatever. There's nothing wrong with dropping a player and bringing him back. Anyway, I digress. In that period, uh, December 2013 to August 2016, when the big four were emerging as these great forces of modern batsmanship, Steve Smith averaged 73, um, Joe Root, uh, 63, Kane Williams from 71 in 24 tests, which is pretty tidy. Uh, Virat Kohli was down at um, 22nd in the list of top averaging test batsmen uh, with 15 or more innings in that period. He only averaged 47. But, interestingly, the conversion standard... He only averaged 47. <laughs> only averaged 47. Hang him! Well, by Kohlian standards. Yes. Uh, I mean, that did encompass that uh, tricky series he had in England in 2014. Um, 1350s for Kohli, eight of which... He turned into centuries, so 800s and what people call 550s, wrongly. Uh, 1350 plus scores, eight of which he turned into hundreds. Uh, Root, uh, 57 innings, 26 50s. So he basically maintained an incredible rate of scoring 50s throughout the major part of his career. Um, but 800s. So even then his conversion wasn't wasn't great. That's so really interesting, well. yeah. Uh, 800s, 1850s, uh, 18 other 50s. Kane Williamson, 22 scores of 50 or more in 45 innings, 10 of which he turned into 100s. And Steve Smith, 25 in 51 innings, 13 of which he turned into centuries. So uh, Roots, I think, always had a bit of a problem with conversion. Uh, his overall career rate is below 25% uh, conversions, which I think we'll touch on later, is... Uh, historically low, particularly for a guy who bats in the top four. Which is why this episode's go Joe Root and the Conversions, and it's not the worst funk band you've never heard of. I'm pretty sure they supported Martha and the Vandellas in the late 1960s. Hi, I'm the late West Indian batting legend George Henley, and you're listening to the Cricket Sadist Hour. Andy? Yes? Who are the worst converters of all time? Well, uh, it seems like such a... 
a stupid thing to even be talking about, but I am interested. And who does not convert well of the of the incredibly more talented athletes than than us out there? Well, I mean, if you are looking as I am at a list of the two hundred players who have made twenty one or more fifty plus scores, the worst converter with only two out of twenty four is Ramiz Raja. Uh, of Pakistan, uh, played in the 80s and 90s. Everyone knows who Ramiz Raja is. Wonderful. Well, they know what his hair is, Joe. <laughs> well, they remember his playing career. That is true. Who there knows? is the Alan Wilkins effect, isn't there? There's a certain point where if you're the front man for too long, people forget that you ever played cricket at all. <laughs> Alan Wilkins, 250 first class wickets for Gamorgan. <laughs> um, Arjuna Ranatunga is second. He converted only four out of his 42. That um, would have been fitness. <laughs> <laughs> fitness possibly also batted a little lower. Uh, you've got Habibul Bashar, Mark Boucher, Alan Knott, uh, obviously they... Wicked uh, keepers, makes uh, sense. Yeah, Boucher, Knott, uh, Shane Watson, he had a, a, only four out of 28. Yeah, that's not good. Um, Kenny Rutherford, MS Dhoni, Ian Healy and Andrew Flintoff make up, uh, so make up the top 10. In that, in that, just that list at the end there, you've got, you've got, what, three or four wicked keepers, Flintoff's an all-rounder as well. Yeah. So it, that that kind of makes sense, but you know, for guys like Watson and Ramiz Raja, that's more would have been more of a concern for them, and it certainly was in Watson's career. Um, he got Australia off to a lot of very good starts, and then you know, instead of making the big innings that that set up the game, he would go out, which is kind of what we're talking about with with conversion stats in general. Although it's also why it's not Watson's fault. Watson's job as an opener was to get through the new ball and to set up the game. It wasn't his fault that they were none for 80 and then they'd be all out for 180 all the time. Uh, no, and, and well, well, we'll talk about Cook later on. And, and also just, you know, why do we value hundreds so, so highly? And I think I'm mean, with Cook in particular, a lot of his more valuable innings have been even sort of 20s and 30s, certainly 60s and 70s, rather than the Leviathan double centuries on featherbed pitches. Having been to some of those, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> so who are the best converters, then? Uh, the best converters, unsurprisingly, leading the way, Don Bradman, um, 42 innings of 50 or more, 29 of them converted in the hundreds, giving him a conversion rate of 69%. Did He, he had a really famous comment about this, and I've now forgotten it off, but I think it was roughly along the lines of, he couldn't understand how a batsman could make 50 and not make 100. Yeah. Like, like, to him, that didn't make any sense. You're in, you've got the conditions, everything's going great, how could you not go on? So he certainly lived by that rule. Yes. Um, of course, he was a calculator in human form. Uh, yes, and played in an era of... Decent batting pitches, but even so, his conversion rate was was uh, way over uh, his contemporaries, as indeed was his his average. Here's another fact for you that I discovered while uh, rooting around here: Wally Hammond went 14 Test matches without a 50 in the mid 1930s. Um, Syphilis. Im- Im- well, imagine if social media had been around then, and uh, possibly syphilis. Uh, <laughs> second behind Bradman is Coley currently with 21 out of 37. That's converted. interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just under 57%. Clyde Walcott is next. Mohamed Azraddin. Michael Clark. He's uh, 28 out of 55. Matthew Hayden. Um, Eunice Khan. Michael Vaughan. 18 out of 36. Uh, and also at exactly 50%. Ijaz Ahmed. Arthur Morris. Dennis Amis and Ashwell Prince. Ashwell Prince. I did not, I didn't think we'd get to Ashwell Prince. But... And uh, Steve Smith is, uh, 23 out of 47 currently, so just below 50%, along with Martin Crowe. So, basically, the best batsman of all time converted more. And if you look at a player <laughs> like Michael Vaughan, who actually 
when we looked at his record over, overall, had quite a low to middling average for a player with such a big reputation. Yeah, ended up averaging 41. That, that, you know, one massive spike in his career. And also, yeah. from what it looks like, when he got to 50, he made it count, which actually probably propelled him, which meant we remember more of his innings. Because I think you're more likely to remember 100 or 150 than you are a, a fighting 70 as a general rule. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense. So we've done that. Is there any way we can work out if players who convert, you, you know, more often win more games? Is that something we can look at? Uh, our individual players, you probably have to spend more time than we've had preparing this podcast. <laughs> but we have some kind of uh, factory with little uh, stat calculating monkeys with an infinite number of typewriters yeah. and stats gurus. Well, um, because I heard this stat once and I, 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 I didn't have uh, enough time to look it up and also I'm not sure it's 100% accurate, but if, if you make a 50, uh, your team is 5% more likely to win a test. If you make a 100, it's 12% more likely, which, which I assume means if you make 150, it goes up again. So we do know that it is more important to make a 100 than a 50, in that yeah. sort of basic level of it, yes. it affects the game in a yeah. in a more substantial way. But so set against again, well, not set against that alongside. I mean, all these stats need to be pulled apart, and you can uh, you can sort of interpret them in various different ways. So I've been looking at uh, as I generally do um, stats, and um, so much better than life or reality uh, since uh, the year two thousand take a slightly arbitrary starting point uh, there have been 636 test victories um, 146 of them 23% have had no centuries by the winning team uh, 208 have had one century so more than half of test victories this millennium have been scored by a team with zero or one centuries yeah. um, teams that don't score 100 uh, have won 146 but lost 396 teams with 100 have won 208 and lost 196 teams with Two or more hundreds have won 282 and lost 44. So clearly and unsurprisingly, the more hundreds you get, uh, the less chance you have of losing, the more chance you have of of winning. But also, there's it's still quite possible to win a match with no centuries. Now, so the only other question I then have is how many players of over 5,000 test runs um, have a better conversion rate than the standard of? 30%. I think you, we're basically going with 30% is the standard. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at, say, one in three, so 33.3%. So Thank you for if, that. If, uh, if well, a third, um, a third three, of your 50s, Three recurring. I uh, forgot they're recurring. Yeah. Uh, cricket goes to two decimal places, Jared. That is the unfathomable eternal law. Um, 94 players have scored 5,000 test runs in test cricket. 61 of them have a conversion rate over uh, 33%. Um, seven, uh, um, over 50%. 24 more are over, uh, 40%. So 100 per 2.5, 50 plus scores. 30 are between 33% and 40%. 26 are below 30%, but above 25%. And only seven are below 25% conversions. One of whom is Joe Root who is converted 24.5% of 13 out of 53. So generally, and, and there's no surprise here, the best batsmen do convert more often. And that's, you know, rather than... There are very few Joe Roots, whereas uh, there are lots of batsmen who convert um, far more than him. Um, 
I'm not sure that's entirely true. Uh, he's in the bottom seven, though. He's in the bottom seven of, of ninety-four. Of ninety-four, I'm talking but, about of the. I'm talking about of, of the elite batsmen in the world. The elite bat, yeah, but not all of them have great conversions. Um, Laxman, largely because he batted low down, uh, converted less than a quarter. Um, Mizbar, uh, not necessarily put him in the top category, but had ended up with an average of forty-six, uh, and it took him ages to get his first test hundred. We end up with ten out of forty-nine converted. Um, Gooch uh, and Border both ran about 30% uh, but again played in quite difficult areas for conversions and there's glitches well inter- sort of quirks within their stats that we could maybe come on to so uh, but it still it, feels like Joe Root is maybe not a complete outlier but certainly yeah I think that's fair yeah but he's yeah. certainly to what, he's certainly massive like the I suppose what I'm trying to say is the Talking about Joe Root and conversions is fair because he is certainly massively at one end of the scale. Yes, at this stage of his career. But there have been a number of players who've had peaks and troughs of uh, conversions. Um, You're not going to segment every player, right? Not every player. Do you want me to segment some players? <laughs> Go. Uh, I, I can see that you... I can actually see uh, how excited you are. So Alan, Alan Border... Um, he went uh, 21 half centuries unconverted uh, in the space of 36 tests. Uh, between 1988 and 1992, in which time he was averaging mid to high 40s. So, and here's an interesting thing in terms of how important are hundreds. So, in this period, uh, Border at one point played 34 tests. He got these 21 50s, no hundreds. Dean Jones played 32 tests, seven, fifth, uh, seven hundreds out of 14 50s. Border had a slightly higher average and a better, better record in the games Australia won. So, what do you make of them apples, Jared? Uh, well, Dean Jones had two double centuries, didn't he? So I'm assuming that that would that those sorts of things do help your average, don't they? Like, I mean, realistically, uh, one of those was on a feather bed in Adelaide, and the other one was in the tied test, which was obviously quite quite important. Yeah. So, Border made runs all the time, everywhere, which meant that um, he was more integral to Australia overall than yeah. Than so Jones. The, so the hundreds are not necessarily so important. That's what I was about to say. So does that make does that mean that Alan Border or um, Joe Root and those sorts of players are actually more important because they're consistently making runs than a player like Virat Kohli or Dean Jones who occasionally plays in incredible innings but then disappears more often. I, mean, uh, I don't yes. know if we know. I, well, I'm not sure there is necessarily an answer to that. And some of it then comes down to the balance of the team. Correct. So if so, England have, uh, until recently, had a pretty deep batting order. So, uh, and they won a test with... Pakistan last year with they managed a really big score with no one getting a hundred. Um, so if you've got that, then it doesn't matter so much if lots of players are getting fifty and not many are getting hundreds. Johnny Bairstow has a poor conversion. Cook's conversion rate has been awful in the last five. I think seven out of his last thirty-seven fifties, he's made into hundreds. Um, so I love how you said that off the top of your head. You didn't even look down at the no. I, have, I looked it up this morning, Jared. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's tattooed on my soul. Uh, so another one, Graham Gooch. Uh, converted eight out of his first thirty-nine fifties in tests, then twelve out of uh, his next twenty-six. Gordon Grant has been August nineteen seventy-six and April nineteen eighty-three scored one test hundred out of twenty uh, fifties and averaged forty-three in that time. In his first eleven tests, he scored four hundreds out of seven fifties, but his average was lower. Uh, then after that, he converted fourteen out of twenty-six, so more than fifty percent, uh, and his average is only slightly better at forty-five. So there's all. all Players, Rahul Dravid. I'll, I'll finish with this one. We don't need to go into every single every single player. Rahul, really Rahul Dravid. In his first twenty-two tests, sixteen fifties, only one hundred. 
In his next 20 tests, only 10 50s, but 8 of them were 100s. Then, 1 out of 11 in his next 19. Then, 6 out of 9 converted in his next 12 tests. Then, 9 out of 23 in his next 57 tests. Then, another purple patch, 10 out of 17 in 27 tests. And then he tailed off a bit in his last 7 tests at the end. So, he basically went up and down in uh, with no discernible pattern. So, I don't know if there's an element where we we look at players' physical form in terms of how they're batting, but not necessarily... Their mental form, how good are they at, you know, controlling their mind and batting long and seeing out the difficult, difficult periods. So with, with Dravid here, there's periods when he was getting more starts, but going on less and others when he was getting out early more often, but when he got in, he'd get lots of hundreds. There used to be a radio station, didn't it? That was a woman just read out numbers. Yep. Well, I mean, that's my dream job. (laughs) To be honest, words are, when you think about the history of humanity, Jared, it's people saying words that have generally led to all human suffering. I used to have no real purpose in life, but then I started listening to the Cricket Sadist Hour, and now I bench 450 and run a billion-dollar multinational pharmaceutical company. So a friend of mine, Analytics Jonas on Twitter, um, has said this many times before, and I find it quite interesting. If you made... If a batsman made 50 runs every innings and another batsman made a duck one innings and 100 in the other innings, which batsman would we see as being more useful to the team? His theory is that the batsman who makes... Well, I think this is his theory. Otherwise, he can tell me I'm wrong on Twitter. Um, well, I think his theory is that the batsman who makes 50 runs every time is more useful to your team than the batsman who makes 100 and a duck every time. But I don't. I think he's right in saying that the batsman who makes a hundred would probably be seen as the better player in that situation. And this is where the whole psychology of converting becomes really interesting to me. Of how much of it is just because one number is three and one number is two, and 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 all that sort of stuff. Um, essentially, we've made this kind of up. Yes, this is us. Yeah, milestones didn't don't need to exist. Fifties and hundreds. You don't need to raise your bat at fifty. No, and that, well, again, it all comes down to match context, doesn't it? And also just the, the fortuitous chance of humans evolving with five digits on each hand. So we started counting in base ten. If we'd been all Simpsons characters with four digits, then, you know, would what is now 64 be viewed as a great <laughs> milestone in cricket? I, I, lo- I love that that is a potential uh, to happen. But, but I did write about that in a Crick Info piece. I worked out who... There was, I think it was something when Satchin retired or something. I had to come up with a... 25 stats for Satin or something so I was really scraping the barrel I think I worked out how many hundreds he would have got if humans had counted in base 8 instead of base 10 and it was a lot I mean he got a lot anyway but (laughs) (laughs) but essentially like we really do we've really made this an artificial construct on top of it like you know we know 100% so when I was young I played in under 14s cricket right and in under 14s, the best, that's the best time to play under 14s cricket. Isn't yeah, it? weirdly. Yeah. And I, I tried again when I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> I think I played with some players who did do that. And there's, there's a Yunus Khan, Shahid Afridi joke in here somewhere. <laughs> but anyway, we'll leave that alone for a minute. But when, when I retired, you had to retire in 50. And I made seven or eight 50s in a row and retired. And then the minute I got to the form of cricket where you didn't have to retire, I would make 50 and go out within about three or four balls right. every time if yeah. you know what I mean like it was like I couldn't do it and the first time I went past 50 was because we were chasing about 105 and I hit a boundary everyone cheered and I thought oh we must have won the game hit another boundary next ball everyone cheered again and I went 
wait, is this one my 50 or was the other one my 50? And I got so confused that I just kept batting and I ended up um, making my first ever real score in cricket only because I was so stupid that I'd been psychologically like burst from this bubble. And I've heard of this with like with many other players as well. So this one's slightly different, but the reason Steve Smith start, uh, Steve Smith had a conversation with Michael Clark. So we've already heard Michael Clark's one of the best converters ever. And one of the most interesting things with Michael Clark is once he started making hundreds again in the second phase of his career, they tended to be really big hundreds. And Steve Smith asked him, why is it that you're making these big hundreds? And he said, well, in my head, I'm telling myself that 150 is the milestone I'm aiming for, not 100. Right. And it completely took all the pressure off him and he wasn't worried about hundreds anymore. So we know how ridiculously psychological these milestones are. And yet they're involved in cricket like all the time, aren't they? Yes. And well, Virat Kohli, I think his first, was it seven or eight test hundreds? He didn't get past 120 or something. And now clearly a similar switch was flicked and now he's remorseless when he gets when he gets in. Well, you and I both know the, the stat too, that you're more likely to go out between 100 and 104 than you are in 96 and 99 yes. or whatever. whatever. Yeah. Well, I, so I, I did a piece for the Night Watchman when it, uh, I think it was its second edition when it launched, uh, on the nervous 90s. And the, the 90s are the decade of runs in which a batsman is least likely to get out below the 160s or something. And there was a, statistically a batsman is about 20% more likely to get out from 100 to 109 than 90 to 99 yeah um, and uh, it's yeah, that's true in one day cricket um, as well so yeah clearly batsmen so rather than nervous 90s it, 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 maybe the nerves focus the batsman yeah, and well, they want to achieve that personal milestone and then you know, it's done and they get a bit uh, bit relaxed yeah I, I mean and yet again that talks about the psychology of it so there's been some really interesting players um, in cricket so Marcus North is one of the most interesting to me he had a very normal conversion rate in in First class cricket, but he came to test cricket and he made, I want to get this right because it's so weird, he made 500s and 450s. So straight away that's, uh, that's odd to make more 100s and 50s. This is in, uh, uh, about 20, 21 tests. So enough, uh, enough tests. Um, and he played 35 innings and in his 35 innings, 20 of his innings were single or triple finger scores. Right. (laughs) So he basically either made nothing at all or or a hundred, which is incredibly interesting. So yet again, the psychology of that, and maybe you know, I mean, he'd be an interesting person to talk to. Whether he came to it late in life and he's like, I'm going to take every opportunity, but he put too much pressure on himself at the, the start of the innings or whatever it was. I, I just find all that sort of stuff really interesting. And Jeffrey Dujon said something years ago that really changed the way I looked at cricket, which was. Um, so it was just a random test match and he was commentating and someone uh, someone had gone out to a very good ball and the bowlers the commentators were going on and on about what a great ball it was and Jeffrey Dushan was like yeah it was a good ball but the batsman's made a technical error there and that's part of the reason and then um, they were like you can't just say it's a good ball and he said no basically I think in his mind 99% of all dismissals were batsman error right. and we know that uh, so statistically I think once you've made five runs in Test cricket, you're set. That's the set number, really. We always th- we we think of it as being twenty, thirty, forty. But it's actually about five runs. From that point onwards, you're basically on a bell, you're on a very good curve um, of of uh, of being set in Test cricket. So if that's the case, almost every error that you make is going to be a mental error to get you out at that stage. Other than the odd time when you know something, you know the ball's going to hit a rock or. Um, someone's going to pull the odd unplayable ball, but there aren't that many of those that you ever get to. There aren't many Mitchell Stark 
to James Vince Balls, who actually faced Test cricket. So if that's the case, essentially almost everything that happens in, in Test cricket is either the accumulation of pressure from the bowling team and the fielding team, you know, really working you out. Um, or it is a mental lapse. So my, so my point with all this is that milestones actually make it trickier for bats than, than it should be, which is their main job should be checking what the game, the match awareness situation is and playing the game to, to, to the best of their ability at that point. Whereas actually fifties and hundreds are converting and, you know, slowing down in the nineties and releasing that pressure just after you get a hundred and all that sort of stuff doesn't really help batsmen. So I'm saying abolish all mice, milestones. <laughs> abolish all milestones. Yeah. Well, it would be... Uh, I think, do think we obsess over them way too much. And Laxman's a good example. A lot of his great innings for India were not centuries. He's obviously got the famous 281 in, in Kolkata, but he had a yeah, had 70 odd not out chasing to win against Australia by one wicket. He had an amazing 90 well, yeah. odd in South Africa. He had a good innings in the first innings of that test. Yeah. In, in, in Kolkata as well, where he was, was he not out, I think? I don't think he was. Yeah, so then they bumped him up from, he was yeah. not out batting at six and they put him up to three in the second innings. So yet again, I mean, when you make, I, mean, I can't remember what his exact score was in that test, but he made like about a third of India's runs. Straight away you're saying that this is a great innings. The fact that and another day he made 120 on a flatbed in Adelaide when he came in and they were four for 400. They're not. They're, they can't be compared all the time. Yes. Uh, so and that, yeah, that, as we talked about before, there are various efforts to interpret scores in the context of uh, of games. Uh, I've just dug up my stats from that nervous 90s piece. Um, 38% of innings in Test cricket are uh, dismissals in single figures. This is discounting. Not outs, and I, I, I can't go into all the details on how I work this out. Then 27% from 10 to 19, 24% in the 20s, 22% in the 30s, 21% in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 7, uh, 20% in the 70s, 18% in the 80s, 17.6% in the 90s, and then up to 20% again, 20.7% 20. from 100 to 109. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, there, it, it, it curves down a bit. So it's not quite right to say that you're set after five runs, but it's still quite a, that's where the big drop off is. I think five is where you, yeah. you see the difference, if you know what I mean. Whereas, so the first five runs, that's where most of the dismissals are in Test cricket. Um, you didn't quite, you didn't do that. Yours is for ten runs, <laughs> so don't pretend like you've you've ah. caught me in a tr- lie or well, something. Brad, Bradman got seven ducks in eighty innings in Tests, um, which for a guy who was, you know, pretty decent at batting, that's quite a lot of ducks. So. <laughs> So, so it's no. He's no Courtney Walsh. It's, no, or is Jim, Jimmy Anderson got past Courtney Walsh? I don't. Who's got the record now for most for ducks? Most ducks. I think it is Anderson. Isn't yeah. It? So, so, but basically, what I'm saying, the the psychological aspect of com- converting to me doesn't actually help cricket. No, it doesn't much. help the team. There were a couple of innings Kevin Peterson played where he was. There was one against. I think it was South Africa at the Oval. He was caught on Pakistan at the Oval. He was caught on the boundary trying to hit a six. Oh, and he was on 94. It's been caught on the boundary a few times. Yeah. And he was uh, roundly vilified for this. But players who do something careless and stupid after reaching 100 very seldom get that same level of... Yeah. Program. And I suppose that's what I want to look at in general is... It just seems that we're focusing on the wrong things. And, and it goes back to Jonas's question of, do you want a batsman who makes 50 every innings or a batsman who makes 100 and a duck? If they yeah. both average 50, um, you know, realistically, is the guy who makes 50 not giving your team a better advantage around him? Yeah. Well, we saw this with England recently. Mark Stoneman 
in his his run as England. I've got quite a few. I've got I think five fifties in eleven Tests, and uh, during the Ashes, I think he three three fifties in the Ashes. Vince had three fifties in the Ashes. Cook had one fifty in the Ashes, but it was a two hundred and two hundred and forty. And Vince and Stone were the ones getting all the all the blame at the end. Um, yeah, so that, there's. I mean, I guess the problem is it. Measuring hundreds is simple, and you know it's uh, you know it's that psychological thing of a of a milestone um, and a number changing shape. Um, but yeah, I think we do we we obsess about it way too much. This is what I find interesting, Andy. So basically, from the late seventeen hundreds uh, when your father was playing <laughs> through to to now, essentially up until Glenn McGrath, that's for making a fifty hold up his little bat and he'd wave it around and people would clap politely until Glenn McGrath went you know what when I take wickets I want people to uh, give me some adulation and to cheer a little bit and he started holding the ball up which has got more popular in cricket but I don't think it's still anywhere near as, as ubiquitous as the holding the bat up when you make 50 or 100 we, we completely praised batsmen for, for doing their job more than we ever have for bowling and, and I find that sort of the sort of adulation of batting is basically many of the problems we have in cricket is because we focus so much on batting and not on bowling. So th- that's where I, I find the whole conversion thing quite interesting. But realistically, what we need is a, an actual overhaul of how we think about the the, the skill of, of of an inning. So, for instance, um, the VVS Laxman innings when India were bowled out very cheaply by Australia and Kolkata. Is worth far more than Alistair, you know, than, well, than Ian Bell coming in and stroking 100 when it's three for 300 when he enters the crease. Yes. Um, yeah, that's true. And, and one of the interesting things with Ian Bell is he was often criticised for, for that. And there was some, that stat that he never scored the first 100 of an innings in, you know, until he, well, deep into deep his career. Deep, yeah. Then he had that incredible series in 2013. Well, that's all he did. When <laughs> that, he, he got three centuries, none of them were particularly massive in terms of, you know, they're talking about daddy hundreds, but they were all... In the terms of the game, though, they, they were. were. Yeah, yeah. In term, I'm talking about the, the numbers. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Massively influential hundreds, and he got a couple of 50s as well. But, you know, possibly, you could make an argument for being the greatest batting series by an England player in decades, but people tend not to talk about it very much partly because that series is slightly forgotten because England went to Australia and got mutilated months later but um, again that, I guess that comes down to that that idea of mental form fluctuating as much as as, uh, as physical form and uh, I, don't, um, I think we talked about impact index on a previous podcast that was another thing that tried to interpret players performance in the context of what all the other players were doing in the game but as a fan, you're watching it. You know, there's the you want the moment to uh, yeah, well, and, and and maybe we'll never get rid of milestones for that particular reason. My assumption is that milestones were a way for the gentlemen of the early cricket to get plaudits. Uh, they were facing underarm bowling uh, from you know the baker who had yeah. to come in and do that. But uh, in those days, people getting ten was a milestone. <laughs> You look at the old scorecards. It's not great, is it? There not a lot of fifties knocking around. But you know what I mean. Like, I wonder if if this is still a throwback to to that time. And the, I think the one place that should get rid of milestones the quickest would be T Twenty, because 
and I, I've already seen a little bit of um, research on this. I haven't done too much for myself, but batsmen do slow down when they get close to 50s and quite often slow down when they get close to 100s, which in T20 is the worst thing. Once you have a batsman set in T20, the absolute worst thing they could do is slow down intentionally. If they slow down because they've got cramps or because they're tired because they've just hit five sixes, that's fine. But if they slow down because they're worried about that, and it was um, it was uh, Darren Lehman, uh, you know, um, it's not around. I don't don't know what he's doing anymore. Uh, after dinner, speaking perhaps. Um, but it was Darren Lehman who told the Australian players in the One Day team, um, "Forget about milestones. We I want you to bat as fast as you can." Which is quite interesting, as England um, and and India leapfrogged them in terms of scoring quicker after that. But you can already see now that. I think that's where the revolution will come. We'll be limited overs cricket. It'll be interesting to see if we always have the moment of stopping to clap the 50s and 100s and whether there are more batsmen who will do what Michael Clark did and maybe what Virat Kohli has done, as you said, and start to work out that those sorts of things don't matter as much. And, yes. You know. Well, it seems that the, the England one-day side uh, currently is structured in a way that these personal milestones shouldn't matter because Correct. they... They, they've got guys who can come in and score, you know, 30 off 15 balls all the way, all the way down the order. And the game they lost recently to Scotland, Johnny Burstow reached, I think, 90, was it 90 off 43 balls? And he had a shot at getting England's fastest ever one day 100. And he started trying to stog it all over the place. And he ended up only getting sort of 15 off his last 15 balls and then got out when he could have won the game and, you know, with another 10 overs of batting. So it was like that 100 distracted him. I don't know if that's true. Or not. That's interpreting it from watching it from a hundred yards away. But but, but I, that's the, the the best way of explaining this. Really, is it do hundreds distract batsmen? And I I can't find any any yes. research that suggests they don't. I, one of my earliest memories of cricket. I got into cricket in the summer of nineteen eighty one, which people obviously remember for Ian Botham's uh, spectacularly heroic in England coming back from one um, nil and effectively very nearly two nil down to win three one. Um, I think, I think they only team to come from 2-0 down to win 3-1 um, oh, oh. <laughs> and uh, in the final test of that series little talked about is uh, um, Dirk Wellham uh, made his test debut and he scored 100 it's one of my most vivid memories of watching cricket as a kid that he was stuck on 99 for ages and I can't remember how long it was but he was and just the pain of watching this young player on his with sort of a moment of history just clamming him up completely. That really, uh, that's the second, stuck in my mind. That's, that's the second most famous thing about Doug Well. The most famous thing is when he was walking out to bat, you know, I think a shield gave what, and the woman opened the gate for him, and he was stretching and slammed her in the face with the bat. <laughs> Which I believe you can find on YouTube if you <laughs> look up Doug Well. But another, just one, one quick more thing, and this is bringing you back to, to Joe Root. Joe Root in the, uh, in 2013, got man of the match in the Lord's Test. Uh, for scoring 180 in the second innings when England already had a first innings lead of about 200 and um, so it was basically kind of meaningless run scored not particularly quickly um, and because it was a big score he got man of the match rather than I think Swan got 8 or 9 wickets in the game and clearly basically shaped that game for England so we're, yeah and that's another thing with bowlers the thing with a five, a five wicket haul you can do a whole other episode on that do you know when do five wicket hauls matter yeah you know, if you pick up five you know, it's one of the quirks of cricket statistics isn't it five for 160 is better than four for two yeah <laughs>
you know, and especially if it's the first four. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if you go through the top order and absolutely slaughter them and you set up the whole game, the other bloke just churns away, churns. Well, they made 580, but I, you know, I, I never, I never, never back down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it, you know, I, and, you know, one of the things we're trying to do in this podcast is trying to actually find whether there are other ways to do it. But um, we do need to talk more about Joe Root. quite clearly that if cricket had existed in the early 13th century then Genghis Khan would have been a much nicer man I don't think anyone seriously disputes that anymore so with everything we've talked about my theory is that Joe Root is slightly flawed in that he probably should be going on and scoring hundreds more often than he is considering the amount of times he gets uh, in but if Joe Root was currently playing in the 2011 English team, uh, Bell and Peterson and Pryor coming in behind him, uh, there would be a completely, he'd be a completely different kind of batsman. He'd be setting up the game for England to destroy it at the end. So he'd be coming in probably off the back of more runs by Alistair Cook. Him and Alistair Cook would be getting the score to one for 150, one for 200, and then people, it would be an anomaly of, of Joe Root. Now, what you have at international level of sport is something completely different than team sport. So, if you're, if you're a left back in football, uh, you will be basically be hired to be the best left back you can for whichever team needs a left back at that time. But if you then go to your national team and your national team has one bloke who's a better left back than you, you end up having to play centre back or right back or whatever whatever position to fit yourself in because you're one of the best players. That's essentially a, a weird way of saying that's what Joe Root is. We know he's flawed in one particular way and that he isn't doing, isn't making the big scores that are changing England's matches as much as he could, should. But realistically, if the rest of the batting was as good as it should be around him there would be no problem with yes. Joe Root. the problem isn't really Joe Root the problem is England yes and well I mean, Root's still averaging over over 50 in this period when his conversion rate has, uh, has plummeted or around about, around well, about he, he averages 49 since the start of 2016 and um, he's made 523 50s in that time if you're averaging 49 yeah. you're not the problem so we'll take that back to the Alan Border period that we're talking about when he got 2150s without getting 100 and averaged in the high 40s around him he had Taylor Boone uh, Jones all, all out and I think one other um, all averaging high 40s um, so Wall. they were all uh, yeah I think it probably was Steve Wall but he, I mean he had a poor conversion at the start of his career and intermittently during his career uh, so uh, it, it Team context clearly clearly matters. Here's another little stat about Joe Root. We get talking about being obsessed with milestones, fifties and a hundreds. No one ever talks about quarter centuries. And no, they don't. And that's the end of the. <laughs> and Joe Root is the uh, out of all the players who've um, uh, I think or looked at or the people who've batted who've got a lot of over runs. I can't remember, was over forty tw- scores of twenty five or more. I looked at it. anyway. There's about 140 players. In terms of converting quarter centuries to half centuries, he is behind only two men. Bradman, who converted 75% of his quarter centuries into full centuries, and Saeed Anwar of Pakistan. So, again, you know, we look at runs of use to the team. Clearly, it, it, it all depends on the game. It might be that 
scoring 20 in a game is massively useful depending on when you get it and as discussed scoring 240 might be completely meaningless so what you're saying is really that Joe Root when he makes 25 should raise his bat <laughs> he should ra- he should raise his bat maybe that should be his master and then he can forget about everything then just bats from then on in yeah hi I'm Enstranivesan and you are listening to the Cricket Sadist Hour podcast that's it for this week. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and rating on iTunes. It- don't, don't just do that. You know, just write handwritten letters to your friends and family. Go onto a bus or a train and just shout about it at the top of your voice. A- anything that to, to share the deep joy of cricket stats and nerdish discussion with the, the wider public. If you're an international cricketer and you make a hundred, take out a handwritten note that says, yeah, Jared Nandy, talk now. <laughs> do whatever you need to do. But seriously, it does help us. And we'll be back within the next fortnight uh, to be even more nerdy, if that's possible. Okay.